Mitch Davis Show. I'm your host, Mitch Davis, founder of the Mitch Davis Show.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight, or you can head on over to Instagram and Facebook and give those a like and a follow as well by simply just typing in the Mitch Davis Show. Today is March 9th, and we are officially underway in March Madness. We've got a very special podcast today. We're going to be joined by CBS Sports Beat College Basketball and College Football Beat writer David Cobb. He's going to be joining me momentarily to talk all things college basketball. And also, we talked about the Tennessee football coaching search as well. But before we get into the interview, I want to make sure you head on over to the social media sites, Facebook and Instagram at The Image Davis Show, and also on Twitter at MitchDavis underscore 8. Give those a like, give those a follow for continued coverage of the NCAA tournament and the conference tournaments this week as well. We're going to be covering the American Athletic Tournament from Wednesday through Sunday, and also we're going to have wall-to-wall coverage of selections show. It's just going to be a great time of the year as we get ready to celebrate the great sport of college basketball. At this time, I would like to welcome my good buddy, David Cobb, to the Mitch Davis Show podcast, and I hope you enjoy this interview. It's a great interview that gets you fired up for some March Madness college basketball action. I am joined now by David Cobb, who writes for CBSSports.com. How are you doing, David? Well, thanks for having me on. Oh, man, it's an honor to have you on. This means uh, March Madness is here. What are your uh, early takeaways from this uh, March Madness so far? We've had a lot of conference tournaments finish up, and uh, what are your takeaways so far? Well, it's definitely uh, it's definitely uh, with teams like Duke and uh, North Carolina, Michigan State, Kentucky, all kind of kind of scrambling this season. It's just been such a unique year. Looks like North Carolina and Michigan State are going to make the NCAA tournament, but Duke and Kentucky need miraculous runs through their conference tournaments, and so that in and of itself, right there, is is something that makes this season extremely unique. Uh, but man, just to be here is such a thrill because obviously this was the exact time last season when everything started crashing down to an end. So just the fact that thankfully, knock on wood, uh, COVID numbers around the country are down and we're seeing that reflected in uh, basketball right now because the number of postponements and cancellations has started to drop. Um, so uh, cautiously, very optimistic about uh, the way things are shaping up here with the postseason, and it's going to be a great week with all the conference tournaments going on. Let's uh, let's start off talking about Duke and Kentucky because, you know, as a college basketball guy, I mean, Duke, Kentucky, you think of those two teams, you think of national championships and final fours. What went wrong for Duke and Kentucky? And out of those two teams, which, which is more likely to make a run in their conference tournament this week? Well, I mean, both teams, and this is not a surprise, but both teams being very uh, reliant on freshmen, I think, was a was a, a all the way back in November. John Calipari was apologizing uh, for how bad this team was going to be. He saw it coming because they didn't have but maybe one or two games, really just one, if I remember correctly, against a quad three or quad four type of team to get their legs underneath them. And uh, when you got all these freshmen on your team and you're trying to get them acclimated and get them, get them going, uh, they need, I think, some more time, one, just to gel together. 
um, didn't have that, you know, with, without being on campus as much and without having as much lead up to the season in terms of practices. And then you need them to have some, some games against some teams that aren't veteran laden NCAA tournament caliber teams. And that's exactly the kind of schedule that Kentucky played was one that was uh, chock full of those types of squads. And so, you know, uh, just the, the over-reliance on freshmen, I think, was already becoming an issue for some of these programs. Um, and now it, this season just sort of uh, made it even worse and made it even more obvious. So, you know, with Duke, obviously that uh, was an issue, too, because they, their uh, bell cow of the recruiting class, Jalen Johnson. And uh, now he's, uh, that's, you know, when you put all your eggs in that freshman basket, and, uh, you know, it, it can backfire. And it really backfired this year. Now, out of Duke, Kentucky, who do you who do you think could win their conference tournament? Um, I know Duke has probably a tougher road having to play, what is it, today through Saturday, Sunday. Kentucky will have to play Thursday through Sunday, which is four days of four – or four games of four days. Duke seems like they've got the tougher road. But which one out of those two is more likely to win their conference tournament? I would definitely say Kentucky. And, you know, if you look at their records, you know, Duke's record is a lot better than Kentucky's record. They're, they're 500 going into the postseason. Kentucky is well below 500. Uh, but Kentucky are, um, I don't know, uh, sustained spurts, I guess. And uh, Kentucky's a team where, you know, if Davion Mintz and Brandon Boston uh, start hitting threes, you know, they get a little bit more dangerous. Isaiah Jackson's really come on strong. So, you know, I think this Kentucky team now is playing good enough to, you know, like if somehow they were to make their way into the dance, like they're, they're playing well enough now to where, you know, they're at least decent, a decent serviceable team. It's just the, the hurdles that they put themselves through early on this season just made it, you know, so difficult for them to overcome, uh, you know, and achieve anything close to an at-large, you know, bid. And so uh, having said all that, they're playing better as of now and it's still a long shot, but if I had to pick between Duke and Kentucky, I would say Kentucky has a better chance at uh, making a run this week. This leads into my next question. SEC tournament. We're both SEC guys. Talk about this SEC tournament. Who do you have winning this tournament? Um, Arkansas, Alabama, of course, we mentioned Kentucky and any long shots like an Ole Miss, like a Mississippi state that can make a run here. Before, because Ole Miss is still, if you look in some places, they're still kind of on the bubble, according to some folks. And so, uh, you know, they've been playing pretty well the last month or six weeks of the season, you know, winning some games. They had a bad loss to Vanderbilt that I think kind of crushed their at-large hopes. And because of that loss, they need to do some serious damage this week. Cooler is a veteran guard who could – absolutely get on a heater this week. So I like, I like you calling out all mystery. That's, that's a good, uh, good uh, reference. I think if you want to talk long shot all the way back at number seven, I, a lot of people have given up on Missouri, but I haven't. Uh, Conzo Martin wear on you in postseason type games. And so uh, when it's a knockdown drag out sort of affair, that's when his team sort of start to shine. Uh, so I, I like Missouri. If we're looking at teams that, that would have to go four games in four days, um, I would say Missouri and Ole Miss are the teams that I like in that spot. Now, who is your pick to win the SEC tournament? I know everybody's talking about Alabama and Arkansas. Are one of those two teams your pick to win the SEC tournament? 
Yeah, I got to be. I'd definitely take those two over the field. Um, I think Arkansas, I mean, what is it, 11 SEC games in a row right now? That's just insane. And that includes beating Alabama. So uh, I would go Alabama or Arkansas. And if I had to pick, honestly, um, I'd, go, I'd go Arkansas right now. Let's talk about this Razorback team because a lot of te- a lot of people are comparing them to those Roland Winola and those 40 minutes of hell basketball teams back in the 90s. What is your take on Arkansas and Coach Musselman? Obviously, the coach of the year is Nate Oates, voted by the coaches. But talk about the job that uh, Eric Musselman has done this year at Arkansas. I think he, I think he would have had my vote. I think Musselman would have had my vote because, I mean, it, Nate Oates is deserving. But, you know, both of them being second-year uh, coaches in the league doing what they've done, it's just phenomenal. And I think it's going to cause some other coaches in the SEC to reevaluate uh, the way they play and the way they recruit. Uh, because for those two coaches to come in and be so successful so quickly, it's, it's pretty shocking. And uh, the thing with Arkansas, obviously, is, is Musselman nailing the, the transfer formula. You know, when he was at Nevada, he had this deal where they would rely almost entirely on transfers. And it helped, and it, and it worked, and it got him um, pretty far, but you wondered how it would work in the SEC, and it's worked great. And he's also been helped by the fact that there were some really good uh, freshmen in the state of Arkansas who have uh, contributed to this first team. And Moses Moody, obviously, is, is the player that I'm referencing um, you know, most directly there. Uh, he's just been phenomenal, great defender, very versatile, can score at all three levels, um, special type of player who honestly should probably be getting more NBA draft buzz. And uh, the, the other thing too, though, beyond Moody is just the depth. And so, um, I mean, they can go 10, 11 deep if they want to. I don't, I don't know that they will in the postseason, but I mean, that, that it's that kind of roster. And, uh, you know, beyond Moody, even they've got guys, you know, uh, Justin Smith, Jalen Tate, JD Note, any of those guys can go for, even Desi Sills um, can go for, uh, 16, 17, 18 points on a, on a given game. So they're just a hard team to scout, I think, because of the, the number of ways that they can get at you. And, um, you know, it's a huge tip of the cap to Eric Musselman. I, like I said, I think if I'd, if I'd had a vote, I think, I think he probably would have been my pick for, for SEC Coach of the Year. Now, uh, what is their ceiling? What, what do you think Arkansas' ceiling is? Because this team looks really good. They've won eight straight. Like you said, they've won 11, 10 or 11 straight SEC games. What is the ceiling for Arkansas right you know, I would I would say um, Sweet 16, probably. Um, you know, the reason I would further is just uh, kind of a lack of having been there, I guess. You know, that when you get when you get down to the uh, Sweet 16, you're talking about uh, oftentimes, you know, veteran teams who have been through the fire together before. And, uh, you know, uh, this team with having uh, reliance on freshmen and so many transfers, you know, they haven't been through it uh, together before. And that's kind of a, a little bit of a, um, I don't know, that, that's not scientific, I guess. Uh, Ken Palm could probably find you a metric uh, to explain why the Sweet 16 is their ceiling. But just from a roster makeup standpoint, uh, I wonder if, if maybe next year is not the year when, when Arkansas makes, uh, you know, that, that push to maybe Final Four contention or something. Uh, but even still, the Sweet 16 is your ceiling and your second year running the program, then you're doing something right. And, and uh, that, to me, would just be a tremendous success because I'd have to look. But it's been a long time since Arkansas has made it that far, and I think this team can do it. One more question about the SEC before we jump over to Penny Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers. I want to ask you about Rick Barnes. There's been a lot of mixed emotions from Tennessee fans, Tennessee media, about 
the job that Rick Barnes has done in his first three, four seasons at University of Tennessee. This year, he's 21 and seven, or yeah, 21 or 17 and seven, 10 and seven in conference play. Overall, what is your grade for Rick Barnes and where do you see this program going in maybe the next four to five years under Barnes? You know, maybe I, um, maybe because I was there uh, for the way the Donnie Tyndall era ended and the way the Conzo Martin era ended, but those were two messy endings to coaching tenures. And I was first, I was a student. And then um, when, when Donnie got fired, I guess I was maybe still a student anyway, I, you know, I was alternating between being a student and then eventually was the beat writer for Rick's uh, a couple of his first seasons there. Um, anyway, having seen all that pretty, pretty up close in person, I think uh, people need to remember the mess that program was in because it was ugly when, when Conzo got, um, when he just up and decided to leave for Cal because they made a run to the Sweet 16 where one block charge call away from, from going even further and uh, it was only at that point that the athletic director began to support him. And, uh, you know, that was Dave Hart at the time. And, and so I think um, the job was not all that attractive because there was just a lot of questions about whether or not, you know, there was going to be support from the administration. And then, you know, in the eyes of some, there was also a racial component to the la lack of support for Conzo Martin. And, and, you know, I think that made the job uh, less attractive and, and probably made some coaches uh, – think twice about going to Tennessee so they ended up with Donnie Tyndall and it didn't go very well uh, because they didn't do their homework on him they didn't they didn't uh, hire a search firm they didn't fully vet the NCAA trouble that he was in from his previous jobs at uh, Moorhead State and, and Southern Miss and so you know just one year after the whole Conzo Martin fiasco they got a fire Donnie Tyndall and, and it's at that moment that Rick Barnes comes in. And so the, the program's been recently in a Sweet 16. It had Bruce Pearl not you know too far off in the past. But at that point in time when Rick Barnes came in, uh, you know, there were more questions than, ans than answers about the future Tennessee basketball. There were more questions than answers about the future of Rick Barnes and, and college basketball coming off of what he was coming off of at Texas. So I know this season has not gone quite according to plan for Tennessee because of the way that, that he recruited this last class with Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson being there and John Fulkerson and Eves Ponds being back. Um, but all in all, if you're asking me to assess the job that Rick Barnes has done now, what was he one, two, three, four, five, six year? I'm gonna give him an A minus. And uh, that's, that's just because if, if you look at the totality of it, um, I just think that he's done a really great job of stabilizing this program. And, um, you know, I know it's not as, as exciting as maybe it was under Pearl all the time, but the program's in, in a stable, solid place. And you couldn't say that when he arrived. Now, I, this is going to go completely off script, but I've got to ask you because of current administration, I haven't asked anybody yet in the Tennessee realm of things. Talk about this coaching football coaching hire now, because there is a lot of talk. Now that the spring football is coming about, that they went and hired a guy that didn't progress. He kind of gradually got worse at UCF when you look at the records, 10 and 3. Then he went to, I think, 9 and 4, 9 and 3, something like that. And then and last year he was 6 and 5, 6 and 6, 6 and 7, something like that. Talk about this Josh Heupel hire. Are you happy with it? And where do you expect Tennessee to go with it? Uh, you know, I think it's it's uh, for, for the purpose of selling the program to, to your own fan base, which is essentially 
what you've got to do at this point. I think it's going to end up being a decent hire because the offensive component of what Josh Heupel does is so different than how um, just offensively lifeless they were under Jeremy Pruitt. There's one thing we know uh, from watching UCF and Josh Heupel over the last few years is that they can score points. And so I think from that standpoint, uh, it's going to be easier to sell tickets, which is just, which is not going to be easy. Um, for, for, for Tennessee, given the current circumstances. So, uh, you know, I'm fine with it. It's, it's not a splash hire. It's not a, it's not a home run hire, uh, you know, and, and so I guess Hypo and Danny White having worked together before, um, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, but, but a lot of it depend on, uh, you know, can they recruit in the SEC? It's just a different, as we all know, it's just a different sort of animal. And uh, I know Josh Hypo can develop quarterbacks I know we can score points but if they don't get up to, to speed on talent on the defensive side of the ball then he's not going to be successful and um, you know we're not going to know there's really it's too early to know uh, any real indications of, of whether or not they're going to be able to do that but I guess the staff they've put together is good enough to, to where he'll at least have a shot two more questions I have for you two basketball questions I got to ask about Penny Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers uh, first part of the question with Penny is what is his grade in his first three seasons or two seasons at University of Memphis. And second, where do you see this team going in the American tournament? Because heartbreaking loss against Houston in a game that the American probably should have given Memphis a home game or at least tried to schedule a Thursday-Sunday type deal where Memphis played at home on Thursday, played at Houston on Sunday, or whatever it could have been. But talk about Memphis and their ceiling in the American tournament. Memphis, but as of this exact moment, I would give Penny Hardaway a B for the job that he's done as Memphis coach. But if they go and win the AAC tournament, I'm going to give him an A. Uh, because, I mean, and let's be honest, in the eyes of most people nationally and locally, you know, uh, when it comes to evaluating the tenure of a college basketball coach, uh, the thing that we refer to most often is uh, NCAA tournament appearances. And so I think locally we appreciate the job that, that Penny has done over the last six to eight weeks after that second Tulsa loss, taking over the offense. And, uh, you know, this team really getting a lot better. I think that's been evident to anyone who's paid attention. But, you know, ultimately uh, his, his uh, tenure is going to be judged based on if he gets this team to the NCAA tournament and how often does he do it. And so that's why this is such a big week because, you know, if they don't make it, they don't make it. And they regroup and hope most folks come back for next year and, and what should be a, a just an extremely important year for him. Um but, hey, if they do make it, it, uh, it sort of um, validates, you know, kind of everything that we expected uh, from Penny Hardaway if they were to, uh, to, to go dancing somehow this year. So that's why this is such a big week for him. And like I said, it's not all doom and gloom. If, if they don't, if they don't uh, get it done, if they don't win the AAC tournament, uh, it was still a nice turnaround for this team this year. But uh, I just think, and, and uh, even if I don't always agree, I know that legacies are, are built on NCAA tournament appearances. So. Uh, that's kind of where I fall on Penny right now is uh, if they can find a way to go dancing this year, he gets a better grade in my mind. But uh, as things stand now, I've just got him at a B. When you look at this roster, because there really hasn't been a whole lot of recruiting, and I know the recruiting dead period, but when you look at this roster, how many of these guys come back? I know Lester Keonis probably, Damian Ball. Who else comes back for Memphis next year? 
Well, I mean, I think the most important ones that you almost feel like are definitely locks are DeAndre Williams and Landers Nolly because they just transferred. So I don't think the appetite is going to be there for them to try and go somewhere else. I don't think either of them are going to be NBA draft picks uh, just based off their performance this year as good as they've been. Uh, so I think those two are the most important just because of what they've brought you this season. And then, I mean, most of that, that class that, that Wiseman was a part of is still, I mean, around. Obviously, uh, I think Malcolm Dandridge, I watch him play sometimes, and I think, dang, you could be really, really good. And I think maybe, you know, he could be a guy who we see take a next step. And then, obviously, you know, Lomax, Jeffries, Quinones, um, heck, even Booty Ellis, um, you know, could come back and, and really start to develop. Like, uh, that's, I guess, the enticing thing and the exciting thing about looking at this roster is even if they get bounced in the AAC tournament this week, most of those guys, you know, well, every, obviously everyone who's on the roster this year decided to come back and um, you know, that wasn't a given either. When when last season ended, I thought there might be a, a more of an exodus. And so I think you have to give Penny credit um, for keeping uh, the, that class together for the most part. You know, obviously, aside from James and from Precious. And if they can keep them together again, uh, I, I just I, this has to be uh, a top 15 team next year. And I know Memphis fans are, are kind of fatigued of hearing those sorts of expectations because – um, it's been a struggle at times over the last couple of seasons just with everything that the program has been through. Uh, but, man, I look at, at the way that these guys have played over the second half of this season, and I look at you know most of them being sophomores and juniors, and I think ah, this this team, I mean, if they can get you know seven, eight, nine of these guys back who are playing regular minutes right now, um, you know, throw in, obviously, whoever they, they land this offseason, um, Nesbitt maybe uh, contributing a little bit. And uh, they could be they could be special next season. Now this leads me to my last question here, and this is a two part question, David. I, w- I want you to tell me and my audience how good is Gonzaga? It, it doesn't. It seems like they're good, but there's also question marks of okay, well, quality of opponent. Who have they beaten? Who you know compared to let's say an Illinois or a Michigan or an Ohio State? How good is Gonzaga? And the second part of that is. Who makes the Final Four this year? You know, I mentioned Illinois, I mentioned Michigan, Gonzaga, Baylor. Who makes your Final Four as of right now? Well, I'll tell you how good Gonzaga is. The last time they uh, won a game by fewer than 11 points was December the 2nd. Um, you know, they, they, and they do have quality wins. They beat Kansas and West Virginia and Iowa and Virginia. And they beat them all without too much trouble uh, earlier this season. And, and I totally understand you know why people are skeptical after seeing them go through the West Coast Conference, but they were just so dominant through the West Coast Conference and so good in the non-conference and have so many weapons that um, I can assure you with uh, with uh, the utmost confidence that this Gonzaga team is a Final Four caliber team. And you never know. Obviously, it's March Madness, but I would be shocked if this team is not in the Final Four. They're that good, and they've got a guy who makes them, I think, more dynamic and different than they ever have been by the name of Jalen Suggs, who if you like watching John Morant play, uh, you'll love watching Jalen Suggs play because there's a lot of similarities in their aggression, their vision, passing the basketball, their athletic explosiveness, and uh, just sort of the way they play and the passion they play with. So uh, keep eyes on Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga in the uh, NCAA tournament. I think I think folks in the Memphis area especially will appreciate the way that he plays the game. Uh, because he's just got a a passion for it that you can see on the floor. Uh, So I love Gonzaga. I've got them in the Final Four. I've got Baylor there. After that, man, it is a total crapshoot. I mean, that's what's beautiful, I think, about this 
uh, the way this field is shaping up is, you know, uh, you know, obviously Michigan, Illinois, totally good enough to get there, but they, they've also had their cracks exposed at times, you know, in recent weeks. And so, uh, you know, after Baylor and Gonzaga, I don't have any locks uh, to make the final four. You, you could, you could tell me that Loyola goes back and I wouldn't be surprised. And that's why I'm so excited about, you know, the weeks ahead because it's, it's going to be crazy. And uh, so long as everybody kind of uh, stays in the clear on the COVID testing and whatnot, um, I think we're going to have a, a, an extremely memorable and unpredictable uh, NCAA tournament. He is David Cobb, writes for CBSSports.com. David, tell them where they can find all of your excellent work and uh, your Twitter handle as well. Sure, it's uh, David W. Cobb on, on the uh, on the Twitter sphere, and then uh, CBSSports.com um, obviously will be bursting at the seams with uh, stories and coverage and whatnot um, of the NCAA tournament and uh, conference tournaments as well. So, so, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and enjoy some March Madness, man. All right, thanks, Mitch. You have been listening to The Mitch Davis Show. I've been your host, Mitch Davis, founder of TheMitchDavisShow.com. You can follow me on Twitter, MitchDavis underscore 8. A very special thank you to David Cobb of CBSSports.com for coming on The Mitch Davis Show today to talk all things college basketball. I tell you what, if that interview doesn't get you fired up for March Madness, I don't know what will. And until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and enjoy some March Madness Conference Tournament Basketball. And be sure you check out the social media pages at The Mitch Davis Show on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at MitchDavis underscore 8. We've also got a lot of great articles as well on the website at TheMitchDavisShow.com. Have a great day and enjoy this uh, beautiful weather as we get ready for 